set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Well, I don't know how invested people are right now in a game that means less. I I can't imagine, but we've actually found something that means less than an all-star game. I will give the NBA credit. It's not often that you have a league that normally during all-star weekend or Pro Bowl weekend, whatever it might be that you're talking about, whatever sport has their parade of all-stars and in this case it's in chicago it's freezing here in philadelphia so i just can't imagine how miserable it is right now in chicago but such as the nba cleveland indiana these cities are next up on the list of all-star destinations so the nba has screwed itself royally by having the all-star game in some freezing cold areas but they have done something That is rather magnificent, and I marvel at it because I did not think this was possible as I'm watching one of the few college basketball games on right now. We really have nothing tonight, and this rising stars, whatever the hell they call it on a Friday night, means less than an all-star game, and yet the NBA has created mystique around it. This is an NFL move. This is a power move right here. This would be the equivalent of the NFL already shoveling the Pro Bowl which means absolutely jack does nothing for it. yeah i get it it rates but the show itself the product itself is so bad that there's just no defending it just simply because it's football well th- that really doesn't work that doesn't hold up right so the majority of this is just creating a young pro bowl can you imagine that friday the the friday night before the pro bowl you have the NFL setting out with some rookie league. Yeah, first-year versus second-year players playing exactly the same thing. The same football game with very little contact and very little trying and anything along those lines. Still high scoring, still a ton of points, yet people are like, really? Is this this what we have? Women's hoops is the best quality action tonight. That's where we're at. Beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Really, there's nothing. And again, I don't get... This isn't about trying to examine it. I was talking about this earlier in the day. I don't care to try and figure out why you care about something or why you're watching something that's meaningless. In in fact, it's the opposite. I just find I marvel at it, and I take my hat off to the NBA that they were able to create something like this because it, it truly is magnificent to see a game like Sunday night in which you're going to see all the best stars. And Maybe that's the thing is, is the All-Star game has never just clicked with me. And it's always been something to kind of just get through. 
And even as a kid, and I knew that I was different, and I knew that I wasn't the person that was, like, in the middle of a group of people. It was usually me and, like, one other random person. And it's like, yeah, all right, you know, great, the All-Star game. I feel like the dunk contest and the three-point contest as a kid, really three-point contest kind of waned off a little bit, but the dunk contest and the three-point contest, that's where I think the evolution of being a fan of the All-Star weekend started and then slowly died, but at least kept me coming back. Now, I don't get anything. And that's just me. I don't hold you accountable. This is not somebody coming on the air chastising. How dare you? What what you going through your mind? How could you be watching this thing? I, I understand it. First off, there really is nothing else on. And I don't know how much of that is by design, but there is zero competition for this game. Think about the contrast. The XFL, mind you, last weekend had NBA and college basketball on. Beat both. That's competition. That's legit when you see something out there of what else could you watch, what could pull you away from a product. Tonight, the NBA has absolutely nothing going up against it. And to their credit, they figured out something that could fly. They figured out something that could actually be marketable, could be something you could get to actually fill the stands up. And you're at the half right now. It's 81-71, World versus USA. I haven't watched a second of it. Don't plan on it. I know the NBA announced some Hall of Fame finalists, and you have to even laugh at the term finalists because, I mean, my goodness, does anybody doubt Kobe Bryant posthumously is not going in? Of course he is, right? And they honored not only Kobe Bryant but David Stern, and I think it's beyond something at an all-star celebrity game or the world, whatever the hell this thing is tonight, rising stars game. That's why the whole thing about honoring Kobe Bryant should never have been surrounded with the all-star game itself. Look, you want to put him in the Hall of Fame right away, and rightfully so, up for it, that's fine. Find a way to, it doesn't even need to be the logo change, which I was up for, but centering any honoring of anyone's legacy, Stern, Bryant, anybody who's currently alive that you want to celebrate as well, it didn't, it never made sense to me to do this around the All-Star game. It never made sense to me to center it around, like, your main tribute being that around the All-Star game. Because, to be fair, the All-Star game doesn't represent anything about, and you can equate anybody from commissioner to player, but the All-Star game is always just about how much can they hype up superstars. And some people buy it, some people love it, they'll travel out there and They'll specifically go to NBA All-Star Weekend and all the events, and we've seen the NFL maximize this. The Combine is coming up. Just watch. Wait until you see how much of a primetime event the NFL has maximized guys running up and down and lifting and doing other stuff you see at the Combine. This is an NFL. It feels like an NFL thing. And it's almost like I could see people in the front office in New York City working with Roger Goodell jealous. Man, you see what the NBA did? How how can we do that? How can we get rookies and second-year player, maybe one through three? Or, or is there enough of an international flavor in the NFL? Probably not. To field USA versus world. NBA, you better watch out. And that's what the world is doing right now. They're beating us, USA.
And again, that's a mixture in its own right because you've got people from all over the world and outside of this country. So it becomes problematic in that right. But beyond that, beyond the just obvious issue with it, there is something involved deeply with the way in which the NBA has figured something out that no other sport has, including the NFL. And that is something that I don't know if another sport will wind up doing. Like, I guess you have, even in the NHL All-Star game, which we were on for a couple of weeks ago, we did solve that gritty problem, mind you. So make no mistake, he was there. It was just one day that he was off. But you don't have this. You have different forms of an All-Star game, the NHL playing their three different versions, and nothing to the level in which you have a minor league, like a junior version of a meaningless basketball game. And here's the thing. Watching it, I think, is one thing. And I can sit there passively and just on my hand say, all right, this is meaningless basketball. It's played at a pretty high level offensively. But I've been watching this off all-star game go for 150, 160 to 167 since I can remember. That's not really new. So I get just watching it as a passive member of the audience. But taking and this is where i have to truly get off social media for events like this cannot be on social media it started locally with sixers games because sixers twitter is just unbearable during sixers games good and bad and i feel like it's not sixers twitter i feel like it's nba twitter and i feel like what i've been experiencing is something on a small local level that is happening all over the place. And I'm not blaming social media. It's just the vehicle. And, yeah, there is a difference watching Eagles games or NFL games or college football games or UIC and Wright State as opposed to specific basketball games. And what I'm saying specifically is with these games, the All-Star game and mention, the takes, the leaps, talking about people's legacy, talking about people's basketball game being one up on somebody else because of what they're doing currently on the floor. And think about that. As outrageous as it would be to draw a conclusion about what somebody could do on Sunday on the floor in an all-star game, people are doing this now, tonight, in these Rising Stars games about future players. Oh, man, I told you. It's not like you don't have enough from Zion or Ja or anybody playing in this game based off of what we've seen for the first two-thirds of the season. And that's what just continues to baffle me, is how people will take these leaps from these types of games. And look, to be fair, nobody does this in the Pro Bowl. And I will give NFL, that's the difference, right? Just peruse through, if you can, when we take a break coming up in five minutes. Just think about this. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. It's SB Nation Radio, at SB Nation Radio on Twitter as well. SBNationRadio.com, the app, you can stream the show. Think about this when you have a break, you have a second. If you're driving, pull over. Don't do it now, but just think about this coming up. Looking at these games, the NFL would never get away with this. And I'll give them credit because nobody in their right mind would NFL Twitter would never get away with this. Nobody in their right mind would be able to extract that type of opinion and run with it. Can you imagine somebody on one of these morning talk shows 
Did you see the way Mark Ingram fill in the blank, and all of a sudden you've got, I told you that's why he should have won the MVP or that's why he should have won the Offensive Player of the Year, whatever ridiculous stretch you could make because of a play or game or half maybe somebody's having in the Pro Bowl. Think of the difference. Think of how outrageous it would be and just fill in the blank whatever morning television personality who's yelling into your TV, pick whoever you want. That would be outrageous. It would be to the point in which Twitter, your barbershop, the water cooler, up and on. Did you hear? Can, can you believe this? Look, I haven't, I'm not in Baltimore. I, I didn't watch the kid play all year, but that sounds outrageous to me. That sounds a little off to me. To, oh, my God, that person shouldn't be on TV, if you haven't already said that about filling a blank personality. Yeah, imagine the contrast. Yet here, and this again, I don't know, I don't think we have it in the MLB All-Star game. This level, even when the thing mattered, (laughs) even when there was something out there that people could play for, like home field advantage in the World Series, as ridiculous as that was, there wasn't anything along those lines, right? So nobody would take away going three for four if you could even get that many at-bats in an All-Star game. It's probably more on the lines of, like, two for two. All right, you go two for two, you had two home runs. Are we talking about you being Babe Ruth? Are we talking about if there were, and there is the Futures game that they hold, and that would be similar, But to be, and the reason why I didn't bring that up 20 minutes ago is because that doesn't have anywhere near the cachet as the All-Star game, and even the All-Star game is fleeting. From an attendance, from a viewership standpoint more so, it's fleeting. So there isn't anywhere near the comparison of what the NBA is doing on a Friday night, dominating ratings. I guarantee you this thing dominates the ratings tonight. You'll see it Saturday. This thing will come out on Monday maybe when all the local markets are in. And you'll see people around the country are going to be locked into this Rising Stars game. And I I don't know how many of you have bet on this thing, but it was a conversation I was having earlier today with myself locally here, meaning on my show, just pontificating, and nothing has changed. And I brought it up at noon because I wanted to know if I'd feel any different now after talking about the Rising Stars game, All-Star Weekend, really knowing how little everything would be, you know, that would be something completely different. Well, I'm sorry, was that? Until what? Oh, all right, I only have 24. Right? What time do you have? Okay. So here's the thing. One thing I would say is if you open this up and you look at what the NBA has done right this weekend, They have masked unimportance to be, and I'm not even saying with the relationship of Kobe and Stern and all, but they have masked the level of unimportance with something that is must-see TV. And what I was saying is earlier, the conversation I was having, come back and look at this in a little more detail, is how much of a hook you actually have when it comes to betting on this stuff. Because... This sport, and in this game particularly, both the Rising Stars and All-Star Weekend, there has been way more discussion about betting and about betting live, in-game, 
than I've seen with the MLB, NHL, or Pro Bowl. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. It's SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. This has been one of the worst nights in college basketball, without a doubt. Way too much Ivy League going on tonight. Way too much. Yale, Princeton, Harvard, Cornell, Columbia, Dartmouth, Brown, Penn. The entire league is in action tonight. I don't know what they thought that maybe they could pull people away from the Rising Stars game, which actually has gotten close. And I refuse to put this thing on just because I don't want to be completely hypocritical before we hit the 1040 mark in the first hour. But to be honest with you, I really don't have any interest at all in the Rising Stars game. There are some things going on All-Star Weekend that jump out. But this game specifically can sit on ice, which leaves us with very little. UIC Wright State happening right now. Ryder Siena also going on. Both of those on the ESPN networks. And that's really it. What a miserable day just overall in college basketball where you had no standouts going on whatsoever. And you just feel trapped from a sports betting standpoint as well. You're just trapped. Think about how little action because you can't bet on women's college hoops. Tonight would be the perfect night for you to be able to bet on women's college basketball. If, for example, you could get in, look, 79-51, think about what that in-game line would be as number 8 Stanford is in Utah right now with seven minutes left. That wouldn't be off the board just yet. 18, you know, you're talking about probably like a 27 to a 29 and a half point line, depending on how they'd favor it. You've got a big one tonight, 30 minutes from now. Now, unfortunately, nobody cares to the level of I couldn't live update you on Oregon at UCLA, the women's game, because there's no betting action on it. There's nothing to justify it. I could sit here and go down the final eight minutes of UIC Wright State because it's the lone major network, ESPN2, carrying a basketball game, and you can bet on it. As much as you can bet on the Rising Stars game, I don't know how many people actually did that. Think about it. There's another thing that happened, and I'm like, well, who's actually doing this? Every week, I feel like, or really every hour, feel like we have something along the lines of who's who's actually doing this who's going through the process and again i don't know and i'm not judging it's more about inquiring it's more about i can't see myself and i can't envision a reality in my brain in which i'm going through this and saying all right i want to go ahead and do this at hooters or i want to go place a bet and the rising stars game for team usa or I want to place a bet on the over or the under, even the total, for whatever hell this game is. You would think it would just go over, over both times. But then again, these odds are set by smart people. So just, oh, yeah, the over, because it's going to be a high-scoring game. Chances are the over is going to be set somewhere around where it's going to finish. <laughs> I would be shocked if the total closed tonight 15 to 20 points off where it ends up. That would be a major shocker. If that, and especially if it went over, 
you know, whatever the hell it was, and it just blew the over out. I, I could probably see that more than the under, but even still, that's not pulling anybody to the game. And we've seen this in real life as well with this story that came out about Hooters where you can get free wings if you're a single person, you show up and shred a picture of your ex. And I get, like, the marketability of Valentine's Day, and I get how you can take advantage of bringing people there. But who's doing this? Me. Did you do it today? Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Swear. Me and my friends went to Hooters, and I just brought a picture of my ex, and sure enough, free wings. So you normally are going to – okay, so Hooters wings are, are not good. When you look at wings, like across the board, and, and you know now we have to get into this, so I don't mean to offend anybody, and hopefully I don't think Hooters is with us, so that's fine. But the wings itself, like you have to already make a decision to, to go to Hooters to get decent to subpar wings compared to – like actual real wings. So that's a dis- like you're not going to go eat that unless you're already okay with it. And I say this meaning as somebody who's eaten plenty of wings at Hooters, so I'm not holding my nose up at you jack by any means. But what I'm saying is is that to go eat at Hooters, two things are drawing you. The waitresses or the decision to go eat something that you know is like bar food but not really great food. Meaning I I can't see this promotion bringing you in over the other two no i went specifically for the free food normally i go to buffalo wild wings or Wingstop for my wings those are my two oh go-tos. jesus do i need to air mail you wings are you talking bad about buffalo wild wings sir i'm just saying like is is there is, is all it's it would be like saying you know i get my pizza from domino's or papa john's that that's different you're in philly you're in the northeast where there's a lot more better pizza options and wing options. <laughs> Apparently. Or getting I, a Philly at like a Walmart deli. A Philly. Like a Philly cheesesteak. There you go. <laughs> a Texas don't, kid. kid. Stri- yeah, don't, don't let the stream catch wind of that. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's, it's the same principle as betting on the NBA All-Star game, or the, specifically tonight. If you're going, nobody is going to the betting app that you have or the kiosk at the sports book, wherever you're at, and placing a bet on the Rising Stars game and then watching it as a result, meaning, well, I have no interest in the game. That's my point is you have to be ready to eat that food. Like you can't, it's not just like, oh man, I, you know, $10, it's, it's something free. It's like you'll get a $10 discount at CVS or you'll get, you know, at Walmart, you mentioned that, or another store across the board target where you can get something back for it and use it at your leisure. In this particular case, there are other attractions to it. And that's where I think Hooters specifically is bringing people in, not for the free food so much as the attraction, meaning if Buffalo Wild Wings did this and Hooters did this and all things were equal, where would you go? You'd go to Hooters. Hooters would get the edge. Even though you prefer Buffalo Wild Wings, let's be honest. You don't get the same ambiance at Buffalo Wild Wings that you get at Hooters. So what's Hooters really doing here, right? They get a bunch of single guys because they know that single women ain't coming in, right? How many single women did you see coming in there shredding pictures of their ex to get free wings today, Jack? 
I think I might have saw one woman okay. sitting at a table. One woman. One, one woman, excuse not, me. Not one group of women. It could have been that. That's what I'm saying. Like We're talking about one woman, not one group. No, right? she was with a group of other guys, so she was just like the female friend. <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. Come on. This whole thing is a sham here. It's all about getting a group. See, you fell for it, man. You fell for the trap. Now, how much? You probably bought a bunch, right, because you got free wings, so then you probably poured on a bunch more. You got 10 free boneless, right? Exactly. I got. I like mine hot. Boneless wings, man. We're going to have to really just, we're going to have to work on you, man. Boneless wings and buffalo wild wings, my friend. Buffalo Wild Wings is one of the kings of wings. Very underrated, sir. We're going to have to airmail you some food. We'll go NBA next. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. You can still get in live in-game action right now. Team USA is laying 11 and a half as we're into the fourth quarter. 121-107, I have it. And I don't know how interested you are in that. There's a total out there as well. So All-Star Weekend is definitely underway in Chicago. And some storylines that pop from this, I'm sure, beyond this game tonight and we're pleased to be joined by Dan Favali. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Favali, D A N F A V A L E, NBA Math, Bleacher Report, Hardwood Knox, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. Dan, first and foremost, thank you for your time, sir. Appreciate you joining us. What was the circumstance around Sean Kemp giving you that? Uh, it was uh, a few, actually, it was a while ago now. I was covering an a N1 tournament, sponsored nice. tournament. Nice. In- Philadelphia, and he was there, and uh, I interviewed him for a piece I was working on, and uh, when I went to leave, he, he dapped me, but then we got to, like, talking before I left again, and then I, uh, when I was leaving again, he dapped me again, so it was, uh, as far as interviews go, it is definitely the most, I guess, animated or most welcome goodbye that I've ever received. That's awesome, man. Now, are you in Philly? I'm in Philly, that's why I asked, or were you just traveling here for the event? Uh, I was just traveling here for the event. Okay, uh, hopefully we treated you okay. Yeah, Philly's a, Philly's a nice town. It gets a bad rap sometimes, but Philly's a great city. All right, well, I'm curious, as just to get your thoughts on what transpired over the last week, Joel Embiid and the Sixers were in the news for probably the wrong reasons. What's the view, because everybody's caught in your own fishbowl, right? So I do stuff locally here in Philly, and we always get trapped in the Embiid and Simmons and Brett Brown stuff. What's your view, just a 1,000 miles up, zooming out, of the Philadelphia 76ers outside of this city? I think uh, specifically looking at the Embiid-Simmons core, maybe there comes a time where you need to decide between the two of them. I just think getting to that point right now is absurd. Uh, the bigger problem is that for when those are your two core stars, they have not assembled the right personnel around them. Uh, I get the logic in what they were doing and getting Al Horford last season, but you needed someone who was more of a proven floor spacer even though he's a good shooter for his position, he's not shooting well this year, and he's always that's not where he's been most comfortable for his career. And you just needed more ball handlers, more guards that can face the floor, maybe get Simmons to uh, be more of a, a screener in certain situations. And so the fact that you 
really just went the complete opposite direction. And you may have addressed some of that by moving Al Horford to the bench, but come playoff time, how is that going to work? Because if, if you can't get his 25 to 26 minutes a game with him coming off the bench because Embiid is playing 38 to 40, you've just wasted this borderline nine-figure contract on someone who's um, not going to close games for you. So I think that's their bigger problem, is that they need to find just even more floor spacers who can also handle the ball, who complement both Simmons and Embiid. It's not often, I would think, Dan, that at the All-Star break you'd look at a team that's 13 games over five hundred and lay out what you did, and I think you're dead on as far as the ridiculousness of talking about breaking these guys up to the clear-cut fit issues that the team hasn't been around, and yet still at 34-21, and 21, we know they can't win on the road. That's their issue. Is there another team that really jumps out in the East or, or maybe even in the West that's in the playoff hunt right now that you could make that same argument with, which is, hey, look, they're doing what we thought they would do to an extent, but man, the Sixers at five is disappointing. Like, could you make? I don't know if Indiana fits that mold because of Oladipo coming back. It seems like the Sixers are actually the one playoff team in the entire NBA that's actually riding a disappointing season. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. When you're looking at placement specifically, I mean, you can make a case for um, the Spurs or the Blazers being out of the playoff in the West. And that yeah, that's a great one. Uh, Portland's dealt with a lot of injuries, though. The Spurs are probably the the bigger disappointment there. Um, if you're looking at teams that are actually in the playoffs, though, it does kind of feel like people are starting to get a little concerned about the Clippers. Uh, what is Paul George going to look like? How healthy can he remain the rest of the season? They went and got Marcus Morris, who seems like a great fit on paper, but I think you can argue that what they needed more was either another matchup-proof center because Avika Zubac and Montrezl Harrell are good, but they can be played off the floor, or they needed kind of a floor general, this extra ball handler who's more of a, uh, a traditional point guard since that's not Lou Williams's role, it's not Patrick Beverly's um, role. So looking at them, I still think they're going to fare well in the playoffs. When you look at some of the health issues they've dealt with, um, you look at Paul George struggling to make string together these consecutive appearances, and you look at the fact that they do still seem like they have two, I don't want to say gaping holes, but two wrinkles in their otherwise talented roster. I think that could end up coming back to haunt them in the postseason because there's going to be no easy matchup for them. You know, the easiest opponent's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies, and that's going to go to the, the Lakers. After that, everyone is pretty much close to on even footing. Is it really the level of injuries is what's causing all or I don't even know how many issues you would look at I guess defensively would probably be the bigger concern and that I guess is attributed to the injury especially the inconsistencies of how much you get Paul George out there at what point do you think it is concern time for the Clippers or is it not until we actually get rubber meets the road Dan and we're in the playoffs yeah it's definitely the latter just because we've seen this with Kawhi Leonard before, I mean, he's played really well, but he's someone who's going to turn up the intensity, specifically on defense, in the postseason. And maybe this is a situation where Paul George would have played in more games already if this if this were the postseason. And so this was a team, when you looked at them on paper over the summer, you always sort of pinpointed them as a squad that might sort of punt on the regular season a little bit. And I think that's what we've seen from them, specifically on the road. Uh, so it's not a high level of concern, but it just seems like it's, it's something to watch, particularly when – some of these other teams, you know, the Jazz have been inconsistent of late, but they went on that dominant run. Houston's been pretty good with their small ball model. The Thunder look like they could upset and win a playoff series. So with all those factors involved, knowing that they're not going to get 
that easy first round matchup or even an easy second round matchup, it makes you wonder if whether this is a team that because it's their first year together, because of all these injuries, because of some of the matchup boards they have, are they someone that can be upset earlier than we expected? Dan Favali joining us, NBA Math, Bleach Reports, Hardwood Knox. You can follow Dan on Twitter, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. I don't know how locked in you were to the Rising Stars game. Has, has it truly caught on, or is it still just an NBA and NBA Twitter type thing, which is fine? I don't even know if it's an NBA Twitter type thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I struggle to come up with the least bit of interest uh, in watching that game. I, I saw most of it for tonight. I mean, it's fun to see Zion Williamson make the hoop sort of tilt and see Trey Young nutmeg R.J. Barrett, but it's Poor basically an all-star game for youngsters, and there's just nothing. I, I just struggle to take anything away from it at this point, so it's definitely not something that – uh, I or, or most people it seems are interested in. Well, that's the thing. We were talking about that to open up the show, Dan, and it, it was interesting because it's almost like it, if it did catch on, and uh, it, it makes total sense, as you laid out, that it hasn't because of the struggled interest in the All-Star game and then trickling down to a, a junior version of it. But I couldn't imagine, like, the Pro Bowl coming out and saying, well, we're going to have a first and second year football game on Friday when there's already such minimal interest in the game. And if the NBA ever got this thing to work, that would be a marvel and masterpiece in marketing. But, yeah, it makes sense that the average fan would just tune out and get ready for the Duncan three-point contest tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and for a lot of media members, Friday might be a travel day depending on when the teams they cover last played. And, it's you know, we don't need three days of events for the All-Star weekend. The NBA – had the totes at least in the middle of the season, so fans are still sort of at least locked into the sport itself. But, you know, the, the two nights is sort of enough, and there's really nothing that you can do in my eyes to make it really more of an event. I guess you could sort of mimic uh, the all-star roster format where you're going to have captains and then have them maybe pick their teams on yeah. live TV. But aside from that, it's, you know, it, all-star weekend is a time where people probably want to get a break and just to have it on a Friday night when All-Star Weekend is long enough, really feels like overkill. Do you have anything that you guys have done at NBA Math, maybe specifically looking at any type of advanced analytics or numbers that could help the average sports better handicap the three-pointer NBA dunk contest Saturday? Unfortunately, no. There's no way to quantify those things. Um, For people who are betting on it, though, I think they need to make sure that they're gravitating away from just the most efficient shooters and looking at how these guys get their shots in game. Do they have a quick release? Are they shooting in motion? Um, or are they shooting these really long standstill opportunities? And so someone like Adavis Bertans, who's just taken all these really difficult three-pointers this year, coming around screen to fire them up over people and quickly, he seems like someone who could maybe tear through this competition because the looks are going to be easier and the time's not going to be a factor, whereas someone like you know, a, a Luka Doncic in this event, that's not, that's not a guy that you would want, want to look at there. So I think the three-point contest can at least be viewed in that way, whereas the skills challenge and the dunk contest are definitely more of a crapshoot. Well, that's interesting, though, because that's I, I don't think is applied enough, which is how you're getting your shot versus just being able to, to get hot. Now, the dunk contest, you're right. It, it's going to be a lot more difficult, and you're probably just better off riding chalk at that point with Aaron Gordon and knowing that you, you probably get the fewest return on it, but the likelihood of Dwight Howard coming back and winning this thing is, is probably low, I would think. 
Yeah, that is one of the least interesting gimmicks I've ever seen the NBA implement. I don't need what? to see an ancient Dwight Howard in, in the Why is this happening, Dan? How did this happen? I started getting back in the public's good graces, and so I guess he decided that that was too much goodwill and he needed to become uh, hated again because I don't think people are going to be impressed. Bigs are at an inherent disadvantage in the dunk contest to begin with, and you throw in the fact that he's a little bit older. It, it just it really does not make sense at all. The All-Star Game itself, on a level of rising stars' interest to playoff-level basketball interest, where does the actual All-Star Game on an annual basis rank for you? Look, for the most part, it's probably just a little bit ahead of the um, the Rising Stars game just because you are getting a chance to see the best players do stuff and interact with each other. Uh, I do think there's a chance it'll be a lot more interesting this year. I'm not sure whether I'm a fan of the new scoring format, but in theory, uh, if you're sort of shortening the fourth quarter just because you're adding 24 points to the cumulative leaning score and saying we're playing to this number, it does sort of incentivize teams to make sure that, maybe not play defense, but at least make sure that they don't let the other squad pull away. And then this year specifically, because it's a Kobe Bryant tribute, there's probably no better way to honor him for some players than to actually kind of give a damn in this game. So I'm very interested to see how it pans out. This is, for me personally, probably um, the most excited I've been about an all-star game in at least a, a half decade, if not more, because I do like that the NBA is at least trying to incentivize players to try more than just giving out money for charity, because that's a, that's a great thing. Um, but it's not something that I feel like really drives players since charities are going to get um, the money anyway. It's just a matter of a different amount. All right, well, that's, that's a great point, Dan. So let's look at that now as far as the level of excitement you have and look at the final third, if you will, of the season. How wide open really is this? And, and I know that there's been discussion that people want to inject in the daily narratives about the East and despite Milwaukee having that lead and despite the Lakers and LeBron looking like it, last year never happened. Is this thing really that wide open or are we going to find ourselves back to – Milwaukee, L.A., no matter what happens with the Clippers or anybody else in the East? Oh, I think it's certainly wide open. There's a chance that the Bucks sort of run through the Eastern Conference, but if you look at the way that the Raptors have defended this year, how the Celtics have played, uh, there's a chance that we get a good series in the Eastern Conference Finals and that the Bucks don't steamroll anyone. And I do still think that the Sixers, uh, with all their best players on the court, the way they defend, they could really muck up some things for the Bucks, so I, I think it's I think it's definitely wide open, more closed off though than the West. And while the Lakers have been so good in atop the West right now, you look at the teams that they might have to go through. I, I mean, they don't want to face the Clippers in a Western Conference Finals because they haven't played too well against them yet this year. You're probably not as worried about teams like the Jazz uh, or the Nuggets, but those are also really good teams. And the Nuggets, when when their offense is clicking and everyone's healthy, they can just beat you in so many different ways. Uh, we saw it a little bit in the Rockets game as well. Maybe that's not a team you really worry about, but when they're playing so small, it forces you to put Anthony Davis at center, which you haven't played him there a ton this year because he doesn't like it. And so when you're going smaller, you're going to be more vulnerable because you're not used to playing that way, whereas the Rockets will be. So I think this is the, the widest open championship race that not even just dating back to the start of Golden State's run, but to when LeBron went back to uh, – excuse me, left for Miami. This feels like the most wide-open championship race in probably a decade easily. Awesome stuff, Dan. This is great, man. I appreciate you joining us, and thanks for the insight. No problem. Thank you for having me. Take care. 
You got it. Dan Favali at Dan Favali on Twitter. F-A-V-A-L-E, NBA Math, Bleacher Report, Hardwood Knox. We'll wrap the hour next. It's SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Busy day in college hoops tomorrow. There's nothing going on now. As we at hour two, the, the live action element of the program is dead. So that's fine. We'll make do, but plenty to discuss that has already happened. It's just normally at this point we've got some late NBA games. We've got a couple of late college games on the West Coast. We don't have any of that because everybody had to make way for this rising stars game. And that's why we have absolutely jack right now from even a college standpoint. But when we flip the calendar, Saturday, 12 noon Eastern, you've got a bunch of games that roll out, so we'll get you covered hour two. Got a guy specially here on the program tonight in our second hour who's going to help break down every single game of value. In fact, this guy, and I know just because we work locally together as well, has been purposely mining data and betting and throwing out picks on mid-majors. So by the time we get to the tournament, the actual big tournament, we can bring him on as one of the more informed guys. Oh, yeah, you've seen one of these teams that you've never heard of that's a 13 seed. Well, we've got our guy here, Joe, ready to go hour two. Also, something on the NFL that you haven't heard. Set your system's volume control for slightly above... The normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Now, there are two things I want to get to this hour before we talk to our college basketball insider. And I hope he's okay with being dubbed that. We'll ask him, but for the purposes of at least this segment, and maybe even the next, he will be. Busy slate on Saturday. We want to get you caught up and let you know what you did wrong from a betting standpoint tonight if, in fact, your parlay or teaser busted early. But first and foremost, where we'll begin Some audio you'll hear, not only the apologies, if you want to call it that, but the reaction is such, especially people in L.A. are up in arms right now. And I wrote about this locally. It's on phillyvoice.com. My name, you can see this really three, I think, weeks ago it was, three columns ago, I called this thing, and it was an easy one to call, which is a lot of us don't care. As much as people want to react to other people caring, like the L.A. Dodgers and members of the Dodgers organization and maybe a couple of ridiculous, belligerent, over-the-top fans in L.A. who just want to go viral on some video. The majority of us just don't care. We've seen this already. We've seen successful teams get busted for cheating, and not only does nothing happen, but nothing changes with our habits. Nothing changes with our viewing habits. Nothing changes with our betting habits. Does anybody actually doubt right now 
that the Patriots aren't doing something as we currently sit here and speak? It's 11.08 in Philadelphia on a Friday night in the offseason. And I can guarantee you that somebody in the Patriots organization, if it's not Belichick himself, has spent some time today working on a loophole, working on something to try to figure it out. Watch the XFL last weekend and plucked an idea out of there that they can apply to their team. And probably in some shady line that they're crossing knowingly. Or maybe they're just setting up cameras filming practices. Has anybody stopped watching? And maybe more importantly, has anybody stopped betting on the NFL? You want me to care like some Dodgers player pissed off that he couldn't beat the Astros? Sorry, it's not going to be me. Radio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. The apologies were whatever. Uh, I th- thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um... You know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, Everyone knows they stole the ring from us. Yes, Cody Bellinger, who's very upset right now and wants the world to know it. And in our Twitter society where we need as much fire and as many videos of people going off that we possibly can to fill our day because otherwise what the hell would you tweet about, then, yeah, I feel like this would definitely catch fire and people would trend this and it would be, wow, did you see what Cody Bellinger said? Just so people can go back and forth and have more conversations about stuff that you've been having for years, meaning stealing signs. This is similar to that stupid conversation that erupted and as predicted, I knew Sports Talk Radio would take this thing and just like a baton in a marathon race and get as much content as humanly possible out of it. But that stupid story about that woman and the guy in the back of the plane and that viral video in which I still maintain it was fake to some extent, if not fully. But I don't even want to go down that road at this point. Maybe we'll bring it back up this hour before we get out of here this hour specifically. And I'll give you two fundamental points about why that thing is fake, not real. Wow, it's fake. fake. Yeah, go back and watch it. But similar principle. And, you know, here when it comes to Bellinger and others and tweeting about the outrage that he and other Dodgers players feel, there is a difference. There's a strong disconnect between what's being discussed on, let's say, a platform on social media versus how much people are really going to take that into the real world and apply it to care, you know, apply it to action. Well, I care enough about my tweet that I'm then going to let it play out in real life. And I hate to break it to a lot of you who are active on Twitter 
you're not doing that in, in any case in regards to pretty much anything in your life. It's much easier to just retweet something of value, some cause, some statement by somebody who's a celebrity that agrees with your point of view and just wipe your hands and say, well, you know, I did my part. I retweeted it out to my followers. I, I got that message out there. I did my part. Let me go back to my work and put my head down and, and just go ahead with my day. It's very easy to just think, well, not even that you've made a difference so much as you've been involved. And that's the appeal to social. I get that. But this is not transferring over. The outrage on Twitter, on your Facebook page, on your timeline, people posting pics of the Astros cheating on your Instagram feed, that's not transferring over into real life. In fact, what would really be the difference, and and truly this is where we are now in this country, which is crazy to say it, but it really is true. A cheating scandal like this on this magnitude. Think about this. In the NFL, even if it were the Patriots, and the Patriots are the obvious ones, but it's unfair to label anybody the Patriots of the blank, MLB, NBA, whatever, because the Patriots are so successful. And even still, since that cheating stuff two times over, it's numb to the world right now. But if you take the Astros or if you take the Yankees maybe as a better example, but if you take any of these teams, especially the Yankees, I think, more so, just because of their history, but these scandals, if you will, cheating scandals and shady activity, they bring eyes to the set. That's what's happened with the NFL. Anybody who gets popped, the Patriots got popped for filming a practice with the Bengals in Cleveland. And what? The Browns and Bengals? And they had a guy in there, whatever the hell the reason was, I personally don't think they truly benefited from it, at least Bill Belichick and the coaching staff, but just the circumstances surrounding that team involved in that thing. And what happens? We get a week's worth of content out of it. We're talking about it at a level in which it's just leading shows, leading interaction. Where did baseball miss out on this? Because I think that it's a total... Now, look, they don't need to market it. They don't need to parade around it and broadcast the fact that one of their more popular, successful teams just got nailed for cheating. That's not what I'm saying. I think it's more a matter of looking at everything involved and... There should be more people drawn to this sport after this, and yet it's not working that way. Now, I don't think that any more people are are being tuned out to it, to be fair. Baseball didn't lose fans from this. I just don't think they gained any, which is unfortunate because it just shows you in this weird position baseball seems to be in and around our country from a sport society standpoint. Not from a hierarchy, football, no, no, I'm just saying in general – How we view baseball, how we approach the sport of baseball when it comes to things off the field, outside of just the typical field of play, and this kind of straddles that line, it's just, it's weird. It truly is a relationship that is tough to define. It's not like we don't care entirely, but stuff that should matter to us, stuff that should elicit some sort of emotion out of us 
is not. People are just going to go back and watch the games like nothing's going to happen. And I don't know how much the conversation. Baseball's a long season. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter at SB Nation Radio as well, SBNationRadio.com. Eitan Shander with you. 20 minutes from now, Joe Tanzi, Bleacher Report, Philly Influencers, all over the world of college basketball. All right, Jack, I appreciate you tracking this down. Let's listen to the extended remix of Cody Bellinger here because you heard the outrage initially at the Dodgers, from the Dodgers at the Astros. Rob Manford was brought up. Bellinger goes off. And I get the theater of this, and I get that there are people that are going to use this and retweet this video. Wow! But I maintain, as you hear a man right now break down and go crazy because his team was robbed of whatever he wants to lay out, just know that really outside of like 1,500 to maybe 2,500 Dodgers fans, I don't think anybody in the country is truly going to be affected. This is the club remix of Cody Bellinger. I thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, you know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. I know personally I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show in the big leagues lost respect for those guys. I don't know what human hits a walk-off home run against Raldis Chapman to send your team to the World Series. And one has the thought to say, don't rip my jersey off, but two, go in the tunnel, change your shirt, and then come out and do your interview. Like that, that makes no sense to me. It makes zero sense to me, because I know me. Gary Sanders said yesterday, you can rip my shirt off, my pants off. I sent my team to the World Series off for Raldis Chapman in the ninth inning at home. You can do, you know, I'm going crazy. <laughs> Look, I, I get the element of care on the team. I don't want to come out like I'm chastising Cody Bellinger. What I'm saying is it's you see it every now and again, and it's a very sad thing to watch. Every now and again, you'll see it as a theme in a television show or movie. Sometimes the whole movie's based around this. But somebody's been done an injustice. And I honestly believe, at the very least, I'm with Cody Bellinger in that it sucks. But nothing's changing. Nobody's going back and stripping anybody of an MVP. Nobody's going back and stripping anybody of a World Series title. We've already seen this individually with guys who were nailed taking steroids illegally in baseball, where numbers and stats, you can't do that. You can't just remove somebody's home runs from the record book because they impact all these other things, wins and losses and batting averages and mainly pitcher stats. You can't do that. There are too many things connected. The web is too connected. But I do get his frustration that something wasn't on the level, and unfortunately they had to go through it out there in L.A. But this is, the, again, that typical theme you'll see pop up in like a Hollywood movie. Somebody's done an injustice, and the world just doesn't care. People just walking by like, look, we get it. It sucks. It's somebody on the corner of your block yelling and screaming about an injustice being done. I had this problem with the water. It's coming through the ceiling and just yelling. 
and you're walking by and thinking, like, look, I get it. You've got water damage, hopefully your landlord, insurance with homeowners, all these things, but i got to go to work. I've got kids. I've got a mortgage. I've got a dog that eats three bags of food a week. Like, I can't deal with your water damage. And I feel like the average sports fan right now has way too much in front of them. And this is an unfortunate reality of where Major League Baseball is, and we'll have to bring on Seth Everett to confirm this. I'll get one of the better baseball minds in the sport to confirm this because, oh, you don't watch the game, you don't watch the game, you don't care enough about it. Oh, it's not that. It's I recognize where we've gone. People think that it was just going to go from a national to a regional sport and then maybe to a local sport, but it's kind of diverted from that. It's gone from national to regional to some weird funk of where we are right now. And this whole thing about, we'll let you hear from Crane and the guys on the other side of this coming up, but this whole thing from the Bellinger victim standpoint, what I love about the theater of it is so many people just don't give a damn. So many people will tweet, and the same person will tweet now just because it's the thing to do. You have to show your individualism by retweeting the thing that went viral. The only way you can truly show that you're an individual on social media is by retweeting something that's already been retweeted 500,000 times. So I get it. It's the in thing to do, which is to pile on the Astros and make a Twitter joke to get thousands of likes and maybe hundreds of thousands if you're lucky. But that same person is watching, and that same person is betting, and that same person is fully invested in either the Astros or just the sport itself. Again, the theme, like we said in hour one with the rising stars and betting, same thing here. Nobody is tuned out now because of the Houston Astros cheating scandal that was already locked into baseball. And what's equally as obvious to me and maybe frustrating for the sport, is that they didn't gain anybody. And in our bizarre, absurd, difficult-to-define society that we live in, I don't even mean sports society, I just mean this country on a day-to-day basis, it should seem chaos sells, controversy sells, negativity sells, bad press is any press is good press, all of that. It didn't work for baseball. Not to say that money should be handed in fists or just a Norse sponsorship should be coming in at a rapid rate. I'm just saying from, wow, what, what's going on here? Like that casual fan I don't think has been brought into the sport as a result of this where you know damn well if it's the NFL, we'd be talking about that. At Shander Show on Twitter, live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. Facebook is up as well. And we'll get to the other side of this, but there is – An XFL shocker of the week. This story is insane. And it's non-believable, almost to the point in which I hesitated to bring it up because I thought Jack might slide it into fake news. But I'm pretty confident it's not going to make that one. So we'll bring that up, let you hear from Crane and the other ones on Houston. Joe Tanzi, Bleacher Report, Philly Influencer is going to join us 15 minutes from now. It's all on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. 
by there are a couple of pieces of audio from Jim Crane we should hear, including, if we can, Jack, we can do this on the fly here, that uh, cheated with the question mark, because I, I think that will be a good tone setter. And before that, just there is this one story real quick about a Kemp, not Matt Kemp, that I initially thought on this thing, but then I was like, wait, that, that didn't really make sense. It's Tony Kemp who was called up in September of 2017 by Houston. And it just seems very self-serving right now for somebody like Tony to take a stand to an extent. So Tony Kemp says that he gave a firm no when asked if he wanted to partake in the sign-stealing scheme That was already in place, according to Kemp, when he got there in September. And he just tried to keep his head down and play hard and not really concern himself with it. That's Tony Kemp talking, who's now in Oakland. But understand something. It doesn't stop there, of course, because people are going to have questions. You're talking to reporters. You're talking to people whose job it is is to ask follow-up questions. So if you're going to open up this can of worms... Be prepared to see it through. It's like Miles Garrett. He continues to go back to saying that a slur was thrown at him by Mason Rudolph, yet when pressed on it, says he doesn't want that to be the reason why he lashed out with a helmet. He doesn't want that to be any type of justification. He doesn't want that to be used in any method of public opinion, yet he keeps going back to it. And if it's there, if there's video, if there's audio, if there's a Steelers or Browns player who heard it, then please. I mean, we would definitely love any type of supporting evidence so we can move forward with the court of public opinion and beyond with Mason Rudolph. But you can't keep bringing something up and then stopping just at that moment where you truly have to make a a move, where you truly have to put whatever you're saying into action. And that's where we fell short here because Tony Kemp then was asked what would be a logical and reasonable follow-up question. Was that 2017 World Series tainted? And he gives one of the most bogus answers you can for somebody who wanted to distance himself from this scheme. Quote, that's a good question. Everyone's going to have their own speculations about it. Everyone's going to have their own opinions about it. I'm not sure. End quote. What? If that was your answer going into this thing, if you knew at some point you were going to have to give an answer, because why wouldn't you if you opened up the can of worms here? You could have easily no commented this thing. You could have easily evaded this thing. You could have easily gone to your agent, publicist, whoever you work with. How do we get around this so I don't have to answer these types of questions? But you opened up a door, foolishly in my opinion, By trying to distance yourself from this whole thing. No, 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 no. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But you were on the team and you benefited because you won a World Series. So is that World Series tainted? Well, you know. What? Uh Uh-uh. Sorry, man. If you can't go one step further, if you can't take your claim and make it into an action, if you can't take just some concept or theory or charge and put something behind it to actually have true vindication of the other side, if you didn't, versus some sort of charge and proof you had on your end, then what are we doing? 
What are we talking about? Tony Kemp wanting to be some sort of local hero in Oakland? Tony Kemp trying to be in good graces now with his new teammates? Get out of here. I'm sorry, but this is bogus written all over it. Point blank. You distance yourself. You say no. You weren't part of any of this. Was what you won tainted? Oh, that's not for me to decide, you know. You just said it was a sign-stealing scheme that was in place when you got there that you declined to partake in because you knew it was illegal. Yet, you can't say anything at all, any little opinion about whether or not that World Series you won with them was tainted. It's almost as ridiculous as the logic by Jim Crane. Let's listen to that cheated cut. And this is part of the whole thing that came out the other day in which everybody had a field day reacting to. It felt like something you would see on the political scheme here, some sort of political speech you'd find at, like, the White House or Congress or somebody running for president. This is Crane. We don't endorse uh, the actions that took place. We've apologized. Um, You know, it's been tough on the team and tough on the city and and tough on the nation. I I don't disagree with that. But the only thing we can do is sit here and and say we're sorry. We're going to move forward in a positive way. And you can count us to be a positive force um, in delivering that message. May I ask, is it cheating? Excuse me? Do you use the word cheating? Was this cheating? We broke the rules. And you can phrase that any way you want. I love it. Uh, that's somebody, look, to be fair, look at the difference, right? That's somebody who did go to a publicist. That's somebody who did go to a PR firm and say, all right, help. What do we do? Now, the advice they got, I think, was maybe the boss's son or daughter was in that day acting as CEO. Was like, well, you just go ahead and go out there and say this. Or maybe something was mixed up. Maybe that was an apology for a different client and that's why Crane sounded just <laughs> and the players as well. It was hilarious to me because I think it truly represented what the majority of people will be doing, not feeling. And therein lies the bizarre line that we have drawn between real life and online persona. Your Twitter account, your Facebook account versus who you really are. Every now and again, we get examples in sports that manifested and the Houston Astros cheating scandal is just that. I do want to get to this XFL story. We'll talk that and college hoops next. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. So we'll get to the XFL Shocker of the Week and this stupid thing that I thought it might be funny, maybe, and I hesitate to even use that term, funny, but I thought there might be some comedic value, maybe that's a better way to put it, in what the Washington Nationals did on Valentine's Day today, sending these personalized Valentine's Day cards to every other team in Major League Baseball. And I was reading through a couple and thought, oh, okay, you know, not bad, not terrible, corny, 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 not bad, not terrible. Then I saw the Phillies one, and I was just like, all right, that, that did it for me. This thing is, is done. It's, it's over. The, the creativity, they must have been out of ideas halfway through there. And 
you can kind of see scrolling it. Busy day in college basketball on Saturday, and it all starts here, 12 o'clock Eastern. was a weird card tonight, nothing really jumping out from a ranked level, but if you're following mid-major, Ivy League, college basketball, anybody playing hoops that you can bet on, like Joe Tanzi, at JTanzi90, Bleacher Report, Fox, uh, PHL Gambler as well, right here in Philadelphia, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. Joe, Aton Shander, Espedation Radio, appreciate the time, my friend. I guarantee that you nailed at least three of the four Ivy League games tonight, right? Uh, I, I, I took a little bit of a break tonight. Uh, there's a lot, <laughs> lot going on. Uh, I, look, I'm, I'm saving my luck for tomorrow. It's a huge card. Uh, it's a lot of great games. Uh, so uh, I took I took the lead off from college basketball tonight. Not too much going on. Uh, some mid major blowouts, but but tomorrow is where, where the business really happens this weekend. Well, let's look at that because it, it really does kick off right away. I mean, noon Eastern here. We've got three games with ranked action, including Kansas hosting Oklahoma. Double-digit line there. I don't know if it's a spread or maybe a total game for you. Is there anything that jumps out with Kansas that would lock this in for you, Joe? Yeah, so they've been playing really, really good defense lately. Uh, you saw that against West Virginia. They really locked down in that second half. Yudoka yep. uh, Azebuke is playing great defensively. Uh, he, had, he had a few blocks against West Virginia that really sealed that game. Uh, Oklahoma is a weird team because they've, you know, they they did what they were supposed to do against Iowa State the other night, uh, a team that was without uh, Halliburton for the first time. But I think this is a game where Kansas should win pretty easily. Uh, I don't see why it, they should struggle with this one in particular. Uh, maybe there's a little worry about a, a possible letdown game after the big win at West Virginia. But I think Kansas uh, should be in the clear. Uh, you can't say that for. Uh, a handful of other ranked teams uh, tomorrow, but I think they're they they should be in the clear. I think uh, double digits is definitely a possibility for them tomorrow. All right, so Florida State Syracuse is another one, and and this one, I guess depending on where you look at it, it looks to be pretty strong at nine and a half. And I wonder if if that might be a number that you keep an eye, and if it starts to go into double digit territory, stay away from Florida State. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a weird spot to me. Uh, Syracuse is kind of one of those ACC teams that that thinks they still have a chance <laughs> at the tournament, but really doesn't. Uh, I think it's pretty clear it's Duke, Louisville, Florida State, and then uh, if Virginia decides to get their act together, uh, that might be a total game though. Uh, Syracuse is you know three zero and one the overs in their last four games, and we saw what Florida State did against Miami last Saturday at home, uh, put up ninety nine points. So I think the, the total might be worth watching. Uh, if if that number gets up too high. Uh, but Florida State is a team that, even though they lost by five points to Duke the other night, uh, still a team that's been very impressive this season. I expect them at home to be able to take care of business. I don't I don't see much of a, a struggle for them either. Uh, but you never know with a desperate team and, and Jim, Pay- Jim Behan's zone, maybe, you know, it throws a wrinkle in them uh, in, maybe in the first half and, and Florida State struggles a little bit, but that's the only thing I could see going wrong for the Knowles tomorrow. Yeah, it's 147 for a total, so it's not astronomically high by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's an interesting spot because Syracuse, uh, their games have been in, in the 70s uh, for the last few games. You know, So it's been uh, a consistent enough trend where if, you're looking, if you don't like the, the big line, 
uh, totals possibility, especially if you, you saw what Florida State did their last home game. All right, speaking of big line, it, it's an even bigger one than either of the two we've mentioned. Third, and we'll grow as we keep going, Joe, but 13 points, Penn State at home, Northwestern. You talk about Syracuse, any false hopes they have. I think it's pretty obvious for anybody playing for Northwestern, their season is cooked. It's a 13-point line. Yeah, and Northwestern kind of gave it their shot at Rutgers last Sunday. Uh, they led in the first half, led for a decent amount of the second half. Uh, and then Rutgers came back in and won that game in overtime. I think this is a game where uh, it's not even close. Let's be honest. The Northwestern's 1-12 in, in the Big Ten. Uh, if you look at uh, Penn State with the way they're playing and the way they, they've played on the road recently, you know they won three of the last four on the road, which is something Big Ten teams have not been able to do this season. So I think you see uh, very little contest from Northwestern. I think whatever fight uh, they had was in their last game against Rutgers. Uh, I see this is a Penn State team that, that's firing all cylinders. They have the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament uh, in their sights because you know that Maryland-Michigan State game later Saturday night is huge. Uh, they're they're going to be huge Michigan State fans, uh, so they can be level with Maryland. But but this is this is a Penn State team that's playing pretty well and uh, starting to get the national attention they deserve. Joe Tanzi joining us at JTanzi90 on Twitter, eight on Shander Espionation Radio. You see a large line like Dayton is laying on the road. and I, Is there any way, even if you're working in a four- or five-point teaser, that UMass becomes an option getting 14-and-a-half as a base at home? So Dayton and UMass are actually two teams I've, I've looked at from the opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, UMass, 10-and-14, 4-and-7 in conference. Dayton continues to blow teams away. This is uh, what I've been stunned with. You know, uh, Rhode Island the other night, I thought, Know, would give them a fight at, at UD Arena, and they didn't. It was a 14-point game, and I think the, you know, the lead was pretty large uh, for points. Uh, Dayton is the real deal, and I don't see them slowing down. That, that's the thing. Like you're, you're waiting for these majors like, like Dayton, like San Diego State. Yeah. You know, when, when, is, when is the slip-up game going to happen? I think that's, that's our natural reaction for some of these teams that we don't know much about. Oh, they're, they're bound to slip up at some point. And they haven't. And I think that's what's been most impressive about Dayton, you know, San Diego State, Gonzaga. I know, I know we don't consider them a mid-major team, per se, but they still play in a mid-major league. And these three teams are, are, have been immune to these big upsets. So, yeah, I don't know about uh, a teaser. I think UMass, maybe because this is their, their Super Bowl, per se, uh, with Dayton coming in. Uh, and they're the only you know, high-ranked team in the A-10. Uh, it's not often a six-ranked team comes into, into UMass to play. So I think they, they might be up for it a little bit, but uh, Dayton's shown so consistently they've been able to cover. Uh, I, I like them in this one for sure. All right, so scenario, quick scenario here before we move on and definitely want to get your thoughts on a bunch of other games. But let's say I have Penn State, Kansas right now, Penn State minus 13, Kansas minus 11. You laid out both teams could cover rather easily based on the scenario, but I'm throwing them in a four-point teaser, right? So I'm dropping it to single digits just to make me feel better about it. And I look at this game. Am I better off applying the four to Dayton at 10.5 or to Mass and getting 18.5 at home? I would think to be I think to be safe to Dayton to the 10. Uh, you know, I'm still a little skeptical of my own of, of double-digit road lines because – College basketball is such a, a weird sport where some of these teams at home just 
sometimes show up out of nowhere. So I think the the tease down for Dayton is probably the better option just to play it safe, even though they've been playing so well. Uh, 18 and a half points, Joe. That's a lot to pass up, but I trust you, man. <laughs> that, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. The tease down to UMass. I'm sorry. I, I meant it the other way. Oh, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, so you'd be yeah. at 18 and a half because I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot. But look, you, you <laughs> no, tell no, me no, to no, jump no, off I, a bridge. I'll I, jump I, off the bridge. So. <laughs> No, I had the I had the ten and a half in my mind. I, you UMass might put up a little bit of fight, so I think that's you know if you're looking at that, that that might be something to take a look at. Yeah. All right, let's bounce around a little bit. Jack and I were trying to figure this thing out in the break. The total is one thirty for Baylor and West Virginia. The one thing that jumped out at me, just looking at West Virginia's play, not even to a deep level, Joe, is they give up a lot of points on the road. Yeah, and this is and this is you know a West Virginia team that's also coming off a, a deflating home loss to Kansas, so you don't know which way it's going to go. Uh, you know, are they going to show up, give Baylor you know all they can handle? But that also has to consider Baylor's recent scoring. It's not like they've been shooting the lights out like some of the other top teams in the country. This this is a team that you know if you watch the Texas game on, on Monday night, they only scored fifty two points, and now you're looking at a, a team. You know what's What's their biggest flaw? You could say it's their offense. And when you compare them to you know, Gonzaga, to, to Kansas, to San Diego State, this is a team where their offense kind of lacks compared to the other top teams. So just because they're the number one team and playing at home doesn't mean uh, you know, they're going to play up to their average at 71 points per game. They give up only 58.3. West Virginia only gives up 61.5. Uh, you know, the under, uh, you know, even with a, a lower total at 130, seems like a, a better play just because of you know how, how both teams defend yeah okay look I, I think that makes sense and the only concern I had was could West Virginia give up 90 or you know 85 something like that to Baylor but I, I can't see I and I imagine you can't either right West Virginia a scenario if they give up 85 something like that to Baylor on the road they're only mustering up, you know, 50 or something like that. Chances are if they give up a lot to Baylor, it would go over. You're just saying both teams defensively could lock in to get to about like a buck 20. Oh, absolutely. And you look at Baylor's offensive totals, it's not like they're, you know, 52 points was just a, an outlier in a, you know, compared to a, a really, really explosive offense. Uh, they haven't, you know, reached 80 in the last 10 games. They've hit over 75 twice in the last 10 games. And West Virginia on the road, I mean, outside of that, that Texas Tech loss, which, you know, you know, that's kind of an anomaly to everything else they've been putting up. You know, it was a 59-59 loss to Oklahoma on the road last week. Uh, they only put up 68 and a loss to Kansas State on the road. So, you know, you look at all these, these spots, and you, the under looks even better when you kind of break down how both of these teams play. All right, Joe, let me get a couple of quick ones in here. I don't trust Duke minus 12.5 at home against Notre Dame. Do you? I don't either, even though I, I've, you know, waxed poetic about Duke and their tournament <laughs> chances in the last week. And, and Which I, is fine. I, you can I, go back and forth. I, I, hate, I, I hate doing that as, as much as anyone because I don't like seeing Duke succeed uh, <laughs> as much as they But But they put together a great last few weeks. Um, I mentioned Syracuse earlier kind of being, you know, can they put one last shot together at the bubble? Notre Dame's in the same boat in the ACC. Uh, they were talked about a little bit uh, like that when they played Virginia uh, earlier this week. If they can do so against Duke, maybe they have a little bit of a chance. Uh, 
keep an eye on Notre Dame, uh, their big man, Jack Mooney, who is a solid player, doesn't get a lot of love because obviously he plays at a lesser uh, power in the ACC, and the ACC is down this year. But he averages a double-double. Could be a nice challenge uh, for Vernon Carey uh, throughout stretches of that game tomorrow. All right, who's got the better chance of being upset or not even either being upset outright or not covering the spread, right? Both of those apply. Maryland at Michigan State or Louisville at Clemson? I would have to say Maryland. Uh, there's something weird about these, these Big Ten home games, I'll be honest with you. And Michigan State, it feels like this is a perfect concoction of events for them to come out and have a breakout game. You know, dropped out of the top 25. College game day is in East Lansing tomorrow. It's a primetime game against the, the ninth-ranked team in the country who's getting a ton of buzz. You know, Maryland is one of those teams that a lot of people are starting to convince themselves, yeah, they could be in the mix. This feels like a perfect storm to, for Michigan State to, to win big. It really does. I, I, look, Maryland is a great team, but in terms of the circumstances, and I know that the line, I believe it's a, a six and a half with, with Michigan State. It's a big line, but I still think it's possible for them to cover because the way Big Ten home teams have been playing uh, and the kind of the motivation they're going to have on a national stage to kind of prove that they're they're still you know worth uh, a punch. They have, still have a puncher's chance in the Big Ten. Joe, awesome stuff, brother. Thank you for the time tonight. At JTanzi90 on Twitter. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. All right, Joe Tanzi, and hopefully you took notes, because I did. It just put in a three-team teaser, and I'll be looking hard at UMass. 18 and a half at home. My God, if you can't get that, I know Dayton comes in rolling, but 18 and a half, that's all I ask. We'll wrap the hour next on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. I will right, we'll do What Were They Thinking, an XFL edition coming up next. And fake news, John McMullen's going to join us in the third hour to talk about the XFL at length. It's not just on the field. John's great from a business and numbers standpoint, as well as how things are transferring over to the field. He was up at the New York-Tampa game, and our mutual friend, tight end slash receiver, technically in this sport, it's not really like you're listed, at least in a fantasy standpoint, as a tight end. Colin Thompson went to Temple University, played uh, for the Chicago Bears briefly, so he was in the NFL and is now down in Tampa playing down there. So John went up, as John's in locally here in Philadelphia with me, to catch the Vipers and New York Guardians. Man, I've been talking so much about this damn league, you think I know the names by heart. So he was up there, and I got a problem with Aaron Murray. You'll hear it. You'll hear it mentioned in the third hour. But I have a problem with Aaron Murray. Wide open to my guy, Colin Thompson, sitting there out there in the flat who had an easy 15-yard gain, and Murray just airmailed the pass. No reason, no pressure. Just sucked. If Colin loses minutes, I'll be pissed. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. 
Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. So you probably missed a ton of what happened tonight in the All-Star Game or All-Star Weekend, the Rising Stars game, which is like the mini version of the All-Star Game. And one of the moments that I'm sure you missed centered around Anthony Davis, and this is before even the celebrity game. I I forgot that there was a celebrity All-Star Game. Shame on me. There was actually something even less important than the Rising Stars game tonight, and that's the Celebrity All-Star game. I can't imagine how Justin Bieber and Drake fared in the Celebrity All-Star game, but that's cool. I'm, I'm willing to forego the knowledge and information of that for at least the next couple of minutes to get to this Anthony Davis story. So they had the red carpet event, and everything's going on in Chicago, of course, and Anthony Davis is right there in front of reporters, in front of the big banner, the NBA Celebrity Weekend, all brought to you by Hennessy Banner. And he's there not only representing the Lakers and playing in the All-Star Game on Sunday and being a part of the whole weekend, but he's also pushing a bag of potato chips. So here he is with his new bag of potato chips and his new flavor, which apparently is lime and jalapeno. Fine, whatever. I'm not here to judge your taste buds. He was given this big bag of potato chips, the lime and jalapeno chips, mind you, that has his face on it, his gigantic face on this big-ass bag of potato chips. And the hilarity ensues because Davis's publicist says Davis would only answer questions about the potato chips from the media. There would be no other questions. Hey, what happened getting out of New Orleans? you feel any better about that? And any bad blood, New Orleans this, or anything to do with the NBA in general? None of that. Just potato chip-related questions. Well, the L.A. Times sports Twitter account tweets, his publicist said he would only answer questions about the brand from us. We had no potato chip-related questions for him. He just sat there like an idiot staring into space. It's hilarious. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Uh, we've moved past Valentine's Day on the East Coast, so numbers 55% of the country celebrates Valentine's Day. And look, I'm engaged, so I went out and I celebrated, but I understand that Valentine's Day is for just barely over half of the country and i would not be upset in the slightest if it just went away but i you know i wonder at what point and look it's different for certain holidays that are based around faith for example right or based around somebody's culture for i'm talking about the national holiday like valentine's day and to be fair there may not there may not be more examples Right, nobody's going to go into Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Christmas or anything like that. Well, 43% because of people's faith in how the country is made up. 
but it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you sleep with. It doesn't matter where you've come from. You either are in a relationship or not. So there's definitely going to be an element of Valentine's Day that you either celebrate or don't. 55%. That's not nearly. That's enough to call it, I think. At 55%, if that's all we have in this country celebrating Valentine's Day, even the people that are celebrating, guys, <clears throat> even those people, I think, would agree. All right, I'm, I'm good with that. All right, before we get to fake news, the story in the XFL is hilarious to me because you have two people that have come out and said, well, we didn't know it would be that bad. And the whole thing centers around the access. So Pep Hamilton and Jim Zorn two coaches in the XFL, who had cameras basically up to their face. I mean, the lens was right there on their cheek as they were talking to players, and these guys were on film like every other coach, including those two who they knew would be the circumstance. These guys are on film calling out plays. And now Pep Hamilton is pissed off because 3.3 million people in D.C. know what even or odd mean which direction he's running the football. So he needs to scrap everything. Hey, I got news for you. You signed up for this. You knew exactly what was going to happen. There would be an insane amount of access. Both of these guys, Zorn and Hamilton, in their complaints to the media, acknowledge right before they even complain, both of them in different mentions say, we get it, we knew there would be cameras there, we just didn't know it would be this bad. What did you expect? That they wouldn't broad, they'd broadcast everything else but you calling a play? And oh, by the way, just because your play worked, Jim Zorns did not. And there were a couple of guys, including Tampa and Dallas. Now, Dallas getting Landry Jones back, but Tampa and Dallas, well, their plays didn't work at all. Everybody has to do this. Everybody had their plays exposed, if you will. That's the nature of the game. And I love it because it adds another element of gamesmanship. It's essentially making what the Patriots do illegally now legal. And I love that. The XFL is like, hmm, you know, the Patriots do some stuff that's kind of shady, maybe not even legal. What if everybody had access to that? And what if everybody had to react each week accordingly? You don't know if plays worked or didn't work, if you're going to run the same thing or not. Jim Zorn's probably going to sit there as Seattle takes on, what, Tampa Bay on Saturday and run the same damn play with the same damn verbiage. You can't help a guy like that. Let's get to fake news. So can I ask you a question? Real or fake? We sift through the most important stories of the night to determine what's real. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. And what's not. Don't believe those lies. Four stories, only three are real. It's Shander's job to pick out the fake news. All right, so our trek across America starts in Colorado. We're going to go from west to east. So a bar in Colorado Springs called The Rabbit Hole is being sued by a woman named Brenda Smith for allegedly serving her too much and causing her to lose her hair. In one night? This was during Galentine's Day, which is yesterday, which is what single women do to go celebrate Valentine's Day. A group of girls went to the rabbit hole in Colorado Springs for a night out for fun. Allegedly, Brenda was served too much to the where point where they started singing and someone brought out a lighter 
Oh, my God. You can see where this is going. And supposedly somebody was swinging the lighter back and forth and got her hair. And apparently the hair was fake. What the hell song was it that they had the lighter out in? I want to say it was like... I would, I would just think, like... Some Eric Clapton? I mean, what, what the hell? You, you don't have a light. Like, I, you go out to the bar, it's usually up-tempo music. Nobody's in a rave waving a lighter around. You never, seems... <laughs> you never been to a bar when someone, like, just starts singing no. karaoke and then they just start the lighters just come out? Yeah, at, at, like, closing time, one drunk person puts on Lenny Kravitz and then maybe does that, but not, like, girls' night out. So so strange. Okay, I'm sorry. So so, her hair got lit on fire as a result. Yeah, it didn't say that to the extent. There's no like before and after photos. I can imagine that maybe just a small chunk of it got. Um, who knows? Maybe all of her hair got. But apparently, her hair caught on fire, and now she's suing the bar. Uh, yeah, the see, rabbit of course. Hole. Of course, uh, okay, she it's, is. it's the bar's fault. You know, it's the bar's yeah. fault that her friend brought a lighter out and started sw- swaying back and forth. I, I look, I hope she's okay, first and foremost, but I have zero sympathy for anything that happened as a result of this. You go out to the bar, you drink, that's the idea, and you drink too much, it happens, and you black out, it happens, and you just wear it like the rest of us, all right? If you wake up in a stranger's house because you're broken, and you, you try to cook breakfast, and you, you thought it was your place, or... Your friend burns your hair off because you're too drunk and crazy dancing to a song you shouldn't be having a lighter out to anyway. I mean, and here's the reality of it. As as crazy as it might appear, this is believable anywhere. This isn't like a Florida story, right? This isn't like some of these crazy stories that are only specific to a state or maybe even a region. Something like this could happen anywhere. Something like this could happen in any state, in any bar, in any part of the country to where you have some, oh, yeah, we're going out, girls' night or guys' night, whatever. Although, to be fair, and I I don't want to come across as genderist by any means, I think that there are plenty of things that women do better than us and more important better than us, right? But in this case, like that would never happen with a group of guys, right? No, a group of guys, they would just light your hair on fire like they do in Jackass. On purpose, right. It, it would, exactly. Yeah, so I don't want to say that guys would be immune to not being lit on fire in some capacity, but that just that doesn't happen in that same way. Different means probably to the same end. All right, so story one, Colorado, hair on fire. All right, story two, we're going to go to the heart of America in Kansas. And the headline, a Kansas man is offering... $25,000 to find him a girlfriend. I this figured, is Kansas? This is Kansas. I figure okay. I'd keep the Valentine's Day rolling. An unlucky in love Kansas man is offering $25,000 reward for setting him up on a date that leads to him having a girlfriend. Look, you're better off going to a strip club. And spending $25,000 and maybe one well, of the Well, not, not even spending it, but just going up. Like, think about this. This was an ad on Craigslist. Where was this ad placed? Do we know? This was reported by WDAF-TV. DateJeffG.com. So it looks like it was like a GoFundMe almost, or it was almost like a Kickstarter. This wasn't even just a random Craigslist ad. Is that right? Yeah, enlisted the help of some friends to create DateJeffG.com, a website that attempts to use surveys with personality analytics to help him find... 
a compatible date. So that's what I'm saying. All right. You're better off at this point if you have 25K, right? 25K, yeah. You're better off going to a strip club and going up to a dancer and saying, look, I've got $25,000. I'm not going to give it to you all at once, but we can get into some sort of a sugar daddy, sugar baby relationship, and you can begin. You're better off beginning a relationship that way by enticing a stripper to hang with you for the however long you can make that 25K last. God bless you. But you're better off just bleeding out in that regard, metaphorically speaking, with the cash, some sort of sugar baby relationship than you are just putting it out there. Because think about it. From a realistic standpoint, you're inviting your $25,000. You're inviting yourself to get set up. You're inviting yourself for just a lot of different bad things. You go into a strip club and present this to a dancer, you know exactly the parameters that you've set with the person that you're dealing with. And again, it's not for everybody. I know. It's, it's a marathon. You shouldn't be in there for a quick race, a quick sprint, if you will. You don't want to blow it all at once. That's what I'm saying. You, you bleed it out. You don't just hand over twenty five grand to a stripper and say, all right, you're going to be my girlfriend for the next three months. You have to make the money work for you. But... This idea is ridiculous, and I can't imagine anybody actually came through. Not to say that they didn't want to help him and make that 25, but that anybody on the other end came through and he actually got a date from this. Well, you think, right? Well, Unless you, you were in cahoots and you found a friend of yours that was like, all right, let's just go on a date. But how many dates do you need to go on in order to get the money? That's what I was going to ask you. Why not we just find some random girl maybe on one of these dating apps and say, hey, I have a business proposition for you. We're Me, you, and Aton are going to split this money three ways if you just go on this guy, date with this guy for a couple weeks. So we'll find a way to divide, because 25 doesn't d- divide into three evenly, or three doesn't divide into 25 evenly. We can split it three ways, and we all get a profit. Yeah, but that's the thing is now you're adding more people... Just over ten grand, or really technically uh, under now, right? I, mean, I don't know. That doesn't do it for me. You would need like twenty-five thousand dollars isn't enough to have like a deep scheme. It'd probably just be one woman. I mean, you wouldn't. You wouldn't even need the boyfriend or the husband or anybody like that. Twenty-five. It's too low of a level of amount of money. A split twenty-five grand. Look, that's look. That's a lot of money for you and I. Don't get me wrong. But in a scheme like this. The effort that you'd put in, you don't need the guy. You don't need somebody in the background. You just need a woman stepping up and be like, oh, look, I saw the ad. I'll do it. I'll take the full 25. And all she has to do is wait till she gets those checks. That's it. All right. So that's a good one. All right. Third story. We're going to go down to our favorite state, Florida. A, depu- a deputy gives drivers direction- directions to jail is the headline. A 63-year-old Kissimmee man was arrested Saturday night and charged with DUI and possession of cocaine after he stopped a deputy and asked for directions. Any idea where he asked the guy for directions? It says it was in Kissimmee, which is just south of Orlando. No, but I mean, like, was he asking directions for gas or ATM or something along those lines? Or He pulled over... 
to meet with this person who asked directions to an auto parts store at Got 8 it. o'clock See, at night. There you go. There you go. Just had to figure out where he was going. It's a big part of this whole process. That's a major detail in any type of inviting the police into your life and then getting popped for DUI. It's it's a major detail. Where are you going? Why are you asking for any type of direction? So he's going to AutoZone, let's say, at 8 o'clock at night for some god uh, who knows, right? And there you go. Let me just stop and ask for directions. Why not? So he not only was he hopped up on Coke, he was drunk. That's what they got him on. Yeah, in this report, Bed said he could smell alcohol. He observes that the person's eyes were bloodshot and watery. He was unsteady on his feet. And then he also, the, the, the person even came clean, said he had two shots of bourbon hours ago and told deputy he was legally disabled, but agreed to take a field sobriety test. Man, it's amazing what people will do. How, how in the world is that even an option? There are two things that I don't understand here, and we'll get to the final judgment. But who who is ever in a position where you are drunk or stoned, whatever altered state you're in, and thought, let me go invite a conversation with the police officer? That's not, you know what I mean? Like, look, police officers are doing their job and all the love, whatever, that's fine. I'm just saying, if you're on the, not a criminal, I'm just, you're drunk. You're stoned. You're walking down the street. You just smoked a blunt. You, you know, you're 10 beers deep, and you leave the bar. Are you going to walk up to a cop and, and start asking him questions? And It's just inviting trouble into your life for no reason. Fun fact real quick. That actually happened to me at a bombshells. All I did was tell the officer, have a good night. And he's like, hey, I don't think you should be driving tonight. And all I did was have two beers, and he made me give my keys to my friend who was sober. I'm telling you, man, you're, you're lucky that's all that happened. And that's that's totally on you. You should never say anything. You're drunk? Just leave. I was, Don't invite that into your life. Let them deal with other things. Let them sniff you out. Don't invite them into your life. All right, so, and the other thing is, who doesn't have a phone? Who doesn't have any form of GPS? It's clearly a boomer. He's 63 years old, as according no, to the report. Listen, but- man, I, I know I know plenty of people who are 70, 75 that are like my parents' age that are full-on tech that have the car. And, and this guy, there was no auto zone. That, that was my thing. Um, all right, so, boy, the Colorado thing is so believable that I almost feel like it's fake. Let's see. We've got the Colorado story where she loses her hair. We've got the third story just now about the DUI coked up guy who invites the deputy into his car. And then story two. uh, Give me the headline again for story two. It was a Kansas man who was offering. The date. The date. I'm just going to go like the full underdog here. And just use the reverse psychology theory and say the first story is fake, even though it's the most believable of the three by a mile. You are correct. Oh, man. Now, you understand, it was it was not a guess so much as it was just like, hey, I'll take the underdog at plus 500 and the underdog hit. Yeah, and you hit and you won big. Now no, that's got- good. That's, that's really good by you because I, I, that story, did you create that or did you pull that? Either way... That one was so damn real, and it, it, it's just like, it was almost too real. I was looking at stuff, and then I just compiled little bits and pieces together. 
and just made a masterpiece. Oh, it's a great job, man. You almost had me, and I was thinking like the other two. I'll get you. I'll get you one day. I'm sure you will. All right, good job, man. Coming up, John McMullen's going to join us in ten minutes. Talk some XFL and an update on things that happened in the NBA tonight outside of the Rising Stars game. At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter at SB Nation Radio. We're live on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Shander Show, all here on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So, quick note in the NBA, not sure if you saw this, and we'll try to get him on. It's going to be tough tomorrow, but next week I'll do my best as he's back at action. But Mike Breen is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside Ernie Johnson. And it's Ernie aside, because this is more about Mike. He has become one of the top announcers in professional sports, college as well, if you want to label somebody in that group. But it's really cool and fun to see the rise of Mike Breen and him turning into such a common household name as an announcer, mainly because the guy is, if you've heard him on the air, he's very genuine and very nice and sincere about interviews he's done. I, I've heard him plenty of times. I've had him on different platforms, and I don't know him, but every he's one of those guys where you have a conversation with him, and I don't know, maybe he knows the name because it's just unique, but you have a conversation. There are people in your lives where you'll have this. You'll meet somebody through a friend. You'll meet somebody. It doesn't have to be a celebrity or not, just somebody you've heard of or somebody at a party, and you don't know them, but through conversation, and you may have the benefit of in-person conversation or over the phone, which there is a personable element to it on the radio. And throughout that conversation, throughout that interaction, they do their be- they, they're going out of their way to make you feel like you do know them, like they know you, and they're returning that. And Mike Breen is that guy. He's a class act and love listening to him. Love hearing him on the radio whenever he does interviews and talks about himself because it's rare. But he's got a great story, and he's come a long way from being kind of growing up as as an announcer in that shadow of the MSG Marv Albert layer, and then now just breaking out into his own with the NBA on ESPN and also ABC. The guy has just been outstanding from a career and he's become one of the top names. If you really look at it across the board, you know, if you want to uh, throw Kevin Harlan in because he does NBA, that's fine. But Breen is the guy right now for NBA. He doesn't do other sports. He's done NFL in the past, but he doesn't do anything else but the NBA. So, For broadcasters that don't cross over, Joe Buck crosses over, Kevin Harlan crosses over, Marv Albert crosses over. For guys, for broadcasters, doesn't have to be just a guy, right? For broadcasters who don't cross over, that are synonymous with one sport, it's a little more difficult to become an all-timer. Now Al Michaels 
synonymous with the NFL, but he's been around and he's done other things on top of Monday Night Football. Well, Sunday night now. But even still, you've got people like Mike Breen who have grown up and doing done different things outside of the NBA, grown up as a broadcaster, and now as an expert, one of the top, if not the top, play-by-play guys in the NBA, he's looked at as a top play-by-play guy across the country in sports. That's just a difficult thing to do. You can't just be on TV the whole time talking to Mark Jackson and become popular. It's an awesome story. Good for Ernie Johnson, too, but you know Ernie's everywhere, and he's visible. So I think it's a lot easier. To, oh, yeah, right, I know who Ernie is. Mike Breen, maybe not so much. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Well, week one's in the books, and we look ahead as we've been talking all week now, locally, nationally, about odds and action and activity for the XFL. So we bring in an expert on the sport of football John McMullen, you've heard him countless times here on the network locally, 97.3 ESPN, in and around Philadelphia. You can follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. John, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio, and as always, it's a pleasure whenever we get to chat about anything. So I am curious to hear your thoughts on a league that now you've been present for one of the games in week one. What was the most surprising thing, just up close and personal, not even from what you've seen and amassed all from all the people on Twitter and watching this from afar. But when you were up close and personal watching this as many years as you've covered the NFL, what was the most surprising thing, good or bad, John, for the XFL week one? Uh, Most surprising thing for me as a reporter was being in a press box where people said, hey, do you need any help? (laughs) You don't see that in the NFL. Definitely not here. Uh, <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not in Philadelphia. So I was a little, I was a little stunned, almost like a typical northeastern per- person. Somebody's being nice to you, and you say, "What the hell's wrong with this guy?" But uh, you're a little, you're a little taken aback. But clearly, they, and I think that was one of the positives of the weekend was if you look, especially at the TV production, uh, in the openness uh, of the league and the product and letting the fans behind the curtain, so to speak, when it comes to play calls, letting them behind the curtain when it comes to uh, officiating and and how they're judging these uh, 50-50 calls and looking at them on replay. Uh, I thought that was a a breath of fresh air, to say the least. All right. Now, when you mentioned just how new and fresh this is and welcoming they are trying to be with both fans and media alike, what was something outside of just you know watching it and covering it? The game itself, do, do you think that there are enough legs? Because you and I have had this conversation, I feel like, a year ago, right, with the AAF. Do you feel like there is enough legs combined with cemented opportunity with the TV contracts where this thing actually will continue to grab attention as opposed to just being a one-week wonder, kind of like the AAF? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's two ways to look at it. I mean, history is pretty clear when it comes to minor leagues, and generally the public doesn't accept them. 
I mean, this is a, a lesser grade of player. These are players that uh, haven't made the NFL or are out of the NFL for a reason. So uh, clearly the product is, is not a, as good from just a, a talent perspective, uh, and that will show up, and I think it kind of showed up. Saturday, I think, was entertaining. Sunday, not so much when you look at the on-field action. And when you have quarterbacks that struggle, it's going to make the product look ugly at times. So I think that's one big hurdle. One of the positives, though, is that the landscape of television has changed so much. And they're so desperate for vehicles that can put together any kind of of, uh, fan base whatsoever. And they were able to do that week one. If you you think about it, Aton, there's NBA games on, there's NHL games, there's golf on. They were number one, number two, number three and number four in 18 to 49, which is the demo TV advertised TV executives want. Uh, and if they're able to continue that, they're going to make a lot of money. Well, but that's the question. Can they continue that? How much cross promotion has there been? Because you're paying attention to the WWE and the AEW. So clearly there's a battle there and McMahon is fighting it on two fronts, right? Where his main bread and butter there's a threat to it with the new league. How much, and I don't know because I haven't been following, and I don't know if you do as much, but I imagine that throughout the last, what, six months, there's probably been some cross-promotion on WWE to take people over who may not be the average diehard football fans like ourselves. Yeah, well, when WWE signed with Fox, and, and real quick, there's no battle between WWE and AEW. One well, tell that to my stock, will you? <laughs> well, well, that's got that's different reasons. But AEW doesn't even have stock. I mean, you're talking about a startup company that got. Hey, by the way, for them, a great deal, forty five million. Uh, WWE's TV contracts. They have a billion dollar deal with NBC Universal. They have a billion dollar deal with Fox. So. Those are two – because that's like the NFL versus the XFL from a business standpoint, well, on a lower scale, obviously, but in that industry. Uh, so you have one startup and one that's sort of a juggernaut. Uh, but in, in the fact of the XFL and, and what they're trying to accomplish, they have great vehicles, largely because of Vince McMahon's relationships. So you have Fox, you have ESPN, you have ABC. Those are great platforms. And the key is they budgeted $350 million. That's what they budgeted. They're expecting to lose that over three years. And then that fourth year, they expect there to be a TV deal that dwarfs those losses. And that's basically what they're betting on. And it's, I don't know if you like that bet, but if they put together the ratings they did in week one, that continues for a substantial period. They will make more money. They will make money on that league. Well, how much of it is, as you mentioned, and then just look, at, I guess, a little deeper, though, is already locked in, meaning they're not fighting for space on somebody's television on the NFL network or true TV or something along those lines. They have a built-in audience, and as much as people refuse to admit it, it doesn't matter what ESPN, ABC, Fox, if you're talking about 
a product, it's going to be very difficult for it to not rate, right? So, yeah, it would be nice for this thing to continue to grow, but I wonder how much of a built-in infrastructure they've almost bought, if you will, John, with these TV deals. Well, there's no question. I mean, to have it on on sort of – it's not CBS is always called the Tiffany Network and TV, but those are the Tiffany Networks, obviously NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. Those are the vehicles you want to be on. Those are the easiest to find. So if you're flipping channels, if anybody does flip channels anymore, that's where they go to first generally. Now there's a whole new demographic that doesn't, and they go to streaming options, and nobody's kind of figured out how to monetize that. And that's been the biggest issue and why TV remains uh, the the golden goose, so to speak, for, for pro sports, not just the XFL, not just pro wrestling, but the NFL, NBA, everything. It's still TV rights that runs everything. And I, you say it's built in, Aton, but if you look at the window, ABC, the first game, XFL did 3.3 million viewers. Right. The year before that same window, they had an X Games uh, special on, did 580,000. So that's the kind of improvement they put out week one for people that have a lot of money. And if that continues, it's good news. What about on the field? Is, is there something you think, because it initially was offense, and three of the four games went under. We're chatting with John McMullen at JF McMullen on Twitter, Aton Shander, Espionation Radio. And w- without the obvious just turning this thing around, Vince McMahon in some boardroom saying, all right, we need to ramp up the offense. Outside of that, is there something that you think the XFL can truly stand out and do? Maybe it is something as simple as, hey, the kickoff is so cool, or the three-point conversion, or something on the field you think could be a pretty big hook that we won't get tired of seeing by week eight or the playoffs. Yeah, that, that to me is the bigger hurdle, and that's what I said, because the talent level is what the talent level right. is. We're capped I, out, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tuned in on Saturday. I, I, I've been honest across every radio vehicle I've done. I expected to watch for about ten minutes and then go on with the rest of my day. And that was the D.C. game with Cardell Jones. Yep. It was entertaining. It was. I stuck with it. Yeah, Yeah. I did the same. I was locked in, John, all four games. Now, there was some live betting elements to it, but still, I loved it. Yeah, same thing to me. So I said, you know, that was pretty entertaining. So I watched game two, P.J. Walker, very entertaining. Uh and I sat through that, and I watched that game as well. My wife wasn't happy, but nonetheless. And then Sunday, it wasn't as good. And I was at the New York game. Our buddy Colin Thompson is on Tampa Bay. You had Matt McGloin versus Aaron Murray. A lot of people said Aaron Murray was the best quarterback in this league. Well, through week one, he was the worst quarterback. Right, he was and just, he missed Colin once yeah, at least. he missed Colin. <laughs> uh, he was terrible. And Matt McGloin, by the way, wasn't much better because New York won in a route. Everyone said he made a couple plays, and they said he was good. He wasn't good. Right. So when you have poor quarterback play, things can go really, really badly really quickly. And I don't know how to solve that. I, I mean, it, it's tough to get good players when all the good players – I mean, think about the NFL, Aton, that Ross offseason rosters are 90. Right. So you're 90 deep before you're starting to think about guys who 
you know what? I'm going to try to make it the XFL. All right. So on that note, let's look at this. We've got a minute or probably about 90 seconds or so to expand on this. But you mentioned the quarterback play and how difficult it is for anything at all to really working. So Landry Jones makes his debut. And I've been high on Dallas just because of that connection. Because you need some sort of edge to come into a brand new league. So Dallas is in L.A. Who the hell knows about L.A.? We only see one game. But I imagine there's a lot of expectation for Landry Jones, Bob Stoops, Hal Mummy to kind of put this thing together. And to your point, if you have three of eight teams, maybe if you're lucky, four with good quarterbacks, Landry Jones is probably going to be one of them. Yeah, I would think. I mean, he was the guy that sort of was the face uh, or at least spun as the face of the XFL uh, when they had that quarterback draft. And obviously his Oklahoma history and stoops and and you put him in Dallas. So uh, there's some natural excitement from a regional standpoint. Uh, He was banged up, couldn't play week one. But yeah, he's I mean, right now, to me, it's it was the two guys in, in, in on Saturday. It was P.J. Walker and it was Cardell Jones. Those were the two stars, first-week stars of the XFL. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully Landry can join them uh, because the more guys you, you at least have playing at a, at a somewhat um, competent level, the better the product is going to be. No question about that. Last week, last one for you, John. I always appreciate it, man. Last week, three of four went under. A couple of these dropped in the 40s now for totals because they were all in the low 50s. Do you think the same thing? Do you think we see a bunch of low-scoring games this weekend, or do we have more overs, maybe three overs this weekend? Well, I would stick till the under, maybe till the second half of the season. I mean, just think about it. These teams, they didn't have a – they don't play preseason, so they're just playing against each other in Houston. They're ramping up generally, even in leagues where you have guys who played together for a long time. You don't even have to say the NFL. You can say the CFL, right. anything like that. They didn't have that. These are all first-time teams coming together. The defense is always ahead of the offense early, even in those types of leagues. So I, I do expect it to be a slow ramp-up period. And then when they get their timing down a little bit offensively, maybe second half of the season you start – looking at the teams that have been explosive and, and trying to figure it out that way. John McMullen at JF McMullen from the NFL now to the XFL and beyond. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Aton. You got it. We'll chat more on the XFL coming up. It's Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Last segment, and I'll be back on a Saturday, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, and we've got a lot to react to both in and looking ahead because huge day in college basketball, and the XFL has returned. Looking at this real quick before we get out of here, some totals are out, and we talked about this last week as we were living this out on a Saturday, it's the first time we really had a chance to go through it since the action from both Saturday and Sunday the previous weekend. But nobody has any idea how to adjust to in-game totals yet. It's going to catch up, and it might catch up this weekend. I don't know. I, I honestly don't think so 
because we've seen a couple of these totals drop. But last weekend, when it was even right here on the air with you on the network, that second game that we were on live for Saturday, the one in which P.J. Walker from Temple right here in Philadelphia was dominating, throwing four touchdowns against the L.A. Wildcats. At the end of the third quarter, it was 26-17, to 17, 43 total points. The in-game total jumped to 63-and-a-half at one point here locally in PA. I saw it on FanDuel. I got it at 62-and-a-half. Where would you ever find that type of jump in the NFL? You won't because those people that are setting and making and adjusting the odds, they have a feel and a command of data and history. They know the sport. This thing is so brand new. I'm going to give you a live in-game betting loophole that we exposed last weekend, and I believe you'll have an opportunity to expose this weekend. It's all in-game. But look, some of these totals have already adjusted. That Tampa Bay-Seattle Dragons game is at 5 o'clock Eastern. So for the last couple of hours, at least of my show, we'll be on live. That's a 43-and-a-half total. Don't touch it until they kick. Don't do anything until you see a first-quarter score. Because when you do, you watch. That thing's going to shoot up one touchdown, seven, eight, ten points. It's going to shoot up. Great job, Jack, producing the show. Thanks to everybody who followed again back on Instagram.